Good morning, friends. Today is Monday, the 31st of August, 2020. It is Aiden's Saint Day, and Aiden is a special saint to me, so perhaps we'll get some time to um, talk about him later on. Our readings for this morning are Psalm 25, Job 12, 1 through 6, and 13 through 25, Acts 11, 19 through 30, and the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 21 through 32. We are no longer strangers and sojourners, but citizens together with the saints and members of the household of God. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Our God is glorious in all the saints. O come, let us worship. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to God a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker, for you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. Our God is glorious in all the saints. O come, let us worship. Psalm 25 To you, O God, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O God. Teach me your paths. 
Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O God, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your goodness sake, O God. Good and upright is God. Therefore God instructs sinners in the way. God leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble their way. All the paths of God are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep God's covenant and God's decrees. For your name's sake, O God, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear God? God will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of God is for those who fear God, and God makes God's covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward God, for God will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me, and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my life and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Job, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 25. Then Job answered, No doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does not know such things as these? I am a laughingstock to my friends. I, who called upon God and God answered me. A just and blameless man, I am a laughingstock. Those at ease have contempt for misfortune, but it is ready for those whose feet are unstable. The tents of robbers are at peace, and those who provoke God are secure, who bring their God in their hands. With God are wisdom and strength. God has counsel and understanding. If God tears down, no one can rebuild. If God shuts someone in, no one can open up. If God withholds the waters, they dry up. If God sends them out, they overwhelm the land. With God are strength and wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are God's. God leads away counselors stripped and makes fools of judges. God looses the sashes of kings and binds a waistcloth on their loins. God leads priests away stripped and overthrows the mighty. God deprives of speech those who are trusted and takes away the discernment of the elders. God pours contempt on princes and looses the belt of the strong. 
God uncovers the deeps out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. God makes nations great, then destroys them. God enlarges nations, then leads them away. God strips understanding from the leaders of the earth and makes them wander in a pathless waste. They grope in the dark without light. God makes them stagger like a drunkard. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle C, the song of Hannah. My heart exalts in you, O God. My triumph song is lifted in you. My mouth derides my enemies, for I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like you, nor any rock to be compared to you, our God. Do not heap up prideful words or speak in arrogance. Only God is knowing and weighs all actions. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the weak are clothed in strength. Those once full now labor for bread. Those who hungered now are well fed. The childless woman has borne sevenfold, while the mother of many is forlorn. God destroys and brings to life, casts down and raises up, gives wealth or takes it away, humbles and dignifies. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the rulers and inherit a place of honor. For the pillars of the earth are God's, on which the whole earth is founded. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Acts, chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming our Savior Jesus. The hand of God was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to God. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to God with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And a great many people were brought to God. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they, w- they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. At that time, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named, one of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine over all the world. And this took place during the reign of Claudius. The disciples determined that, according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending it to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. 
Thanks be to God. Canticle L, A Song of Christ's Humility Though in the form of God, Christ Jesus did not cling to equality with God, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and was born in human likeness. Being found in human form, they humbled themselves and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted them and given them the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Savior, to the glory of God the Creator. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. John chapter 8, verses 21 through 32. Again, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Then the Jews said, Is he going to kill himself? Is that what he means by saying, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. They said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from the Holy One. They did not understand that Jesus was speaking to them about the Creator. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the person incarnate, then you will realize that I am this one, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as God instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. God has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to God. As Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. I have a few thoughts on the readings before I share them, and I know I'm doing this in a little bit of a different order than I usually do. Um, we're going to try this and see how it goes. But before I share my thoughts on the readings, I want to tell you what Holy Women, Holy Men has to say about St. Aidan. 
Actually, I'm going to read to you from Lesser Feasts and Fasts of 2018, published in 2018, um, as opposed to Holy Women, Holy Men. So this is what it has to say about Eden. The gospel first came to the Northern English in 627, when King Edwin of Northumbria was converted by a mission from Canterbury led by Bishop Paulinus, who established his see at York. Edwin's death in battle in 632 was followed by a severe pagan reaction. A year later, Edwin's exiled nephew Oswald gained the kingdom and proceeded at once to restore the Christian mission. During his exile, Oswald had lived at, Col at Columba's Monastery of Iona, where he had been converted and baptized. Hence, he sent to Iona, rather than to Canterbury, for missionaries. The head of the new mission was a gentle monk named Aidan, who centered his work not at York, but in imitation of his home monastery on Lindisfarne, an island off of the northeast coast of England. With his fellow monks and the English youths whom he trained, Aidan restored Christianity in Northumbria, King Oswald often serving as his interpreter, and extended the mission through the Midlands as far, as, as far south as London. Aidan died at the royal town of Bamborough on August 31st, 651. The historian Bede said of him, He neither sought nor loved anything of this world, but delighted in distributing immediately to the poor whatever was given him by kings or rich men of the world. He traversed both town and country on foot, never on horseback unless compelled by some urgent necessity. Wherever in his way he saw any, either rich or poor, he invited them, if pagans, to embrace the mystery of the faith, or if they were believers, to strengthen them in their faith and to stir them up by words and actions to alms and good works. I think it's important to note about Aidan that he was not from Canterbury, but from Iona, of the Celtic tradition, that he was gentle. And I would go so far as to say that in his missionary work, he used the way of love. So Aidan follows in the third way of Jesus. Aidan does not try by violence to tear pagans from their history, their culture, their worship practices, but to raise them to new awareness of the divine in all and the culmination of divinity in Christ. And we're going to talk a little bit about that culmination of divinity when we talk about our readings for today. So today I was really inspired, and perhaps it's because as part of my own spiritual practices, I have been exploring a new and um, Celtic-centered, <laughs> I know you're unsurprised that it's Celtic-centered, but way of um, experiencing Lexio Divino, where um, you read a passage and the way that my new practice puts it um, is, hang on, I'll tell you. 
is a process that begins with settling and shimmering, moves to savoring and stirring, then summoning and serving, and slowing and stilling completes. If you would like to learn more, this is um, in 12 Practices for Seeking the Sacred. The slow, ugh, let me start over. The title is The Soul Slow Ripening, 12 Celtic Practices for Seeking the Sacred. And it's written by Christine Walters Paintner, who is also the author of The Artist's Rule in Illuminating the Way. And it's a lovely Celtic-centered spiritual exercises, really. And as someone who's been through the Ignatian exercises, this is really um, beautiful and freeing for me. I personally found the Ignatian exercises, although very useful, absolutely, um, lent themselves a little bit to my over-confessing formulaic side and this kind of frees up what can get bound up for me in the formula and the guilt and shame so anyway that that being said instead of looking at the entirety and I know this is kind of shocking because you guys know how much I like context but instead of looking at the entirety of our readings I really picked out um, basically a line or two from each that really resonated with me today. So the first one was from Job, um, and it is chapter 13, verse 5. They grope in the dark without light. We've all felt like this, I think. I surely can identify, feeling as though I'm groping and searching, not even sure I'll know it when I find it. Sometimes the process works like that. As someone who is in the discernment process, um, and I, I should be more specific because we're all kind of in discernment processes, aren't we? But um, in the discernment process for discerning a call to the ordained ministry, during a time of pandemic, when things are kind of on hold and we are suspended and this feels like an endless waiting, um, at least to me it does, for the world to open back up, for us to reconnect, to be able to hug our loved ones again. Oh my, I could go on and on. Um, discernment often feels like that. Um, it's not, for me at least, it's rarely a clear choice between two things. It is more often a time of sifting, a time of groping through the darkness for an answer that I haven't even thought of yet, that God is revealing to me in due time when it and I are ripe for harvest. And I think that this blind groping is a part of the process that we can't take out our flashlight and light our steps one by one as much as we would want to, as much as I yearn for that myself. 
I think that sometimes that's not possible because it doesn't get us the best results because it is formulaic. It is revealing things in this orderly fashion and that's not the way the divine synthesis of life and the holistic expression of our divine selves really works. There isn't a flashlight of formula. The only light is love. And the awareness of love, the awakening of love, the light of love is not at least in my experience, is not orderly, is not formulaic, is not linear or sequenced. And so I wrote a poem about it once and I can't remember the way that it went, but it was like groping on my knees in the dark for the shards of colored glass that will make the mosaic. And I preached last Sunday And part of my sermon, well, not Sunday yesterday, so I guess two Sundays ago, was this idea that as co-creators with God, we are making together with God and each other this beautiful mosaic, and we each bring to it our own peace. And God alone has the entire picture in mind. But we bring our own peace and in our own peace, each of them are beautiful and incredibly rare because there's only one like them and valuable and needed. Without it, there is a gap. There is a hole in the picture. But we just looking at our little piece cannot see the whole picture and we must trust in God to help us put it together. So our job is to bring, and this is the wonderful thing about being a co-creator with with God, the biggest thing is just to show up. (laughs) So our job is to bring our peace, and our peace is twofold. It is all that we are, and it is also where we are. So I think I said it better in the sermon, what we are and where we are. So both in this particular moment, who are we? And also, where are we positioned? What experience? What story? What power? What platform? What connectedness? What resources? do we have and when we bring this together in our peace and we must be very careful not to we must be very loving to accept our peace just as it is right now and others pieces just as they are right now because the mosaic the beautiful creation of this moment is different than the one of the last moment and different of the moments to come than the moments to come. So we cannot, we absolutely must not cast our pieces or other people's pieces aside. We must make space for us and for others. We can't say like this piece is the wrong color or the wrong shape or the wrong texture because there is no wrong. It just is what it is. And I know that's a terrible saying, but 
I think it's true. It, it, we are who we are right now and we are where we are right now. And we just bring the, as it is, whether it's rough and cracked or smooth and shiny and we accept it and we place it lovingly in this beautiful creation that we are making together with God. And so I do feel like I'm groping on my knees in the dark, looking for my peace, looking for who I am, trying to see it in the context of where I am. And I think that we are all doing this and we are all unsure that we'll know it when we see it. But that's why we have the help of God. That's why we're not doing this on our own. That's why we're co-creators with God. Not only does God see the entire mosaic, but also God sees us and loves us exactly as we are, exactly where we are right now, where we are in the world, where we are in culture, where we are in society, where we are in our spiritual life's journey right here. We don't have to get a single step further to be loved and useful, essential even. That was a little further than I meant to go right there. Forgive me. And speaking of bringing who we are and where we are, in Acts 11.26, the writer says, So it was that for an entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. If you are like me, where career and circumstance have brought you to many different physical places, many different geographic places, And where your spiritual life has felt like it just jumped all over the metaphysical map. Then you can feel like a nomad. And it's a good reminder to me, especially in the context of what we just talked about, that God brings us where we are for a particular season and to do a particular work in that place and time. So what we were talking about, the mosaic being unique to the moment, I think this is really true. And I think that it helps us to remember that right here and right now, God is using us for blessing, for glory, for growth. And so my question My next question, right? Because we've been asking, who am I? Where am I? And now we ask, what would you have me do here? Oh God. And that is my prayer, you know, having just crossed the threshold from one assignment to the next from one home to the next, from one mosaic to the next, from one harvest to the next, and being somewhat overwhelmed and dismayed at some aspects, not all, 
some are overwhelmingly joyous and wonderful, but some aspects, the work that seems to be in front of me in this time, this time of pandemic and transition and evil run rampant, it feels overwhelming. And so I ask, after having firmly rooted myself in the love of God and knowing that who I am is God's beloved, God's beloved and chosen, and where I am is blessed and holy, then I ask God, What would you, the one who loves me, to overflowing in abundance, what would you have me do here? What is the work that you are calling me to in this particular time and place with this particular person that I am in this particular moment? What shall we do together here, O oh God? And something so important that I've been learning lately is that when I discern, when I spiritually sense something that feels uncomfortable to me, that feels challenging and scary and like it's not going to be easy and it might not even always be fun, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily mean that I am on the wrong path. It might just mean heads up, eyes open, firmly rooted in God's love, taking care of yourself so that you can be coming from a place of faith and love. This is going to be rough, but we've got this. We've got this together, beloved. We have the divine within us and with us. And we've got this. So it is really starting for me to learn a nuanced form of discernment. The difference between sensing that which leads to desolation and sensing that which leads to to consolation to God's will, to closeness with God, but maybe through a bumpy path, right? The rocky road isn't always the wrong road. And so this is, this is new for me because my instinct before has been when I discern something that, that is troubling, that, that I do not have peace in my soul, my, my instinct is to just run the other direction, assuming that away from the unsettling is the consolation. But I think that sometimes the way we are supposed to go, the path that God has set before us, whole the wind of the Holy Spirit at our back 
is this rocky way? And that's just, that's new to me. And so I, I think that discerning between that which is evil and that which is good but hard are, are, are nuanced and different things. And sometimes we are sent to a community of believers like they, they were in Acts to teach those who are willing to learn, who are open and ready and thirsty. And we teach each other. But sometimes we are called like Jonah or Moses or many of the others in the Bible to go someplace that we don't really want to go. Someplace that is dangerous and scary and where evil abounds. But God is with us. God is, is all around us. God has done this before. God is the incarnate, has come here and walked this earth and gone through the worst danger. The very worst that could ever happen to anybody happened to Christ and Christ overcame. And so we know that we can overcome. And this brings me to John, the gospel of John chapter eight, verses 25 and 28. Who are you? I am. This is such an important question today, right here in this present moment with our present selves that I've been talking about. That sermon I gave two Sundays ago also touched on a portion of that day's gospel reading and in it, Peter's response to Christ, you are the Messiah. You are. And the way we've been saying it is son of God. And I think we get too wrapped up in the son part, son of God and son of man, excuse me, son of man. Um, this part about being the son and the son of the father, like all of these male terms, what's important is that God begot Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is solely begotten of God and is love incarnate, is the word made flesh, is fully person and fully divine. And so what does that mean for us today? That Jesus was the epitome of being both human and also divine. The, the model to follow, but we follow in our own way. We are also mortal and divine. Through Christ, our divinity leads us to eternal life. Christ is proof. There is hope that this has been done. That there is a way. Jesus' way. Jesus, love incarnate, love lived out on our messy, brutal, to steal a word or to borrow a word from Glennon Doyle, earth.
And so we go where Christ has gone, but in our own way. Following Jesus' third way, but walking and also, not but, following Jesus' third way and also walking our own particular path. Christ was the culmination of divinity and humanity. And we are part of that. We are We are made from the very same substance that Christ was made from, that God, God's self is made from. And we are safe. We can trust that our immortal souls are safe with God, that they will not be irrevocably harmed, that we walk surrounded by and indwelling with the love of Christ. This is bigger than anything that we encounter. So today, friends, I pray that we tangibly feel this love wellspring within us, encircling us. I circle us with the love of Christ. I circle us with the light of Christ. I circle us with the protection of Christ. I circle us with the healing of Christ. I circle us with the grace of Christ. And we go forward to heal as we are healed, to bless as we are blessed, and to draw from the bottomless wellspring of love, that which knows no end. Amen. Well, I rambled on a bit more than I meant to, but thank you all for listening to me today. I hope that it was helpful. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your dominion come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. 
Will you suffragist set B, beginning on page 98 of the Book of Common Prayer? Save your people, God, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them, now and always. Day by day we bless you. We praise your name forever. God, keep us from all sin today. Have mercy on us, God, have mercy. God, show us your love and mercy, for we put our trust in you. In you, God, is our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. A Collect for Aidan of Lindisfarne O loving God, you called your servant Aidan from the cloister to reestablish the Christian mission in northern England. Grant that we, following his example, may use what you have given us for the relief of human need and may persevere in commending the saving gospel of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, ruler eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let us use as our prayer for mission the prayer attributed to St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood is to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time, with one accord, to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved incarnate that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.